Now, get ready to talk hockey. Streaming from the Oilers Live Studio. Subscribe or follow today. Hey, 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 it's Michael here with another edition of Oilers Live Tuesday. Uh, later on, at some point, Dash is going to join me, talk a little bit of Oilers hockey. Talk about the Edmonton Oilers, who are playing the Las Vegas Golden Knights, down two games to one. Checked on Twitter anytime recently. It's like the sky is falling out there. Uh, but before we begin, and while we're waiting for Dash to join us, let me talk about the Halifax Mooseheads I'm wearing their cap tonight. Halifax Mooseheads are in the Gilles Courteau Cup, formerly the President's Cup uh, in the queue. And uh, they'll be playing uh, Patrick Waugh's team, the Quebec Ramparts. And that game, uh, that starts on this Friday uh, for the best of seven for the Q Championship. Uh, the uh, Mooseheads uh, had a great season, um, you know, record-setting uh, season for uh, Dumay in uh, on the team, and and the Mooseheads have really done well this year. They started out, they played Sherbrooke in the last series in the semi semifinal series. Uh, the first two games, uh, which I was at, uh, the Mooseheads really, you know, didn't look like they were going to last much longer. I actually thought they might get swept by um, by Sherbrooke. Uh, they came in and they won four straight. So they uh, start this Friday versus the Quebec Ramparts in the queue. Should be an exciting season. Nashville Predators uh, will uh, want to watch. Uh, Nashville Predators fans will want to watch LaRue, who's... Um, had a pretty decent playoff so far. I've got some people uh, tuning in on YouTube, and I see Dash is uh, just about ready here. We'll get him in right away. Uh, but Angel, thanks for tuning in. Renegade Man. Uh, Vegas is running out of goalies. Yeah, we'll talk about that. Obviously, goalies are almost always the storyline come NHL playoffs. We'll talk about goalies. Oilers, of course, uh, changing out Skinner for Campbell at some point and they, there's angel saying they both need goalies which uh may or not, may not be true but we'll get your opinion on that tonight and i'll get dash's opinion i'll give you mine i think dash is uh ready to go gives me the thumbs up let's get uh dash online there we go welcome to the show how you doing friend good 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 so, just kind of give a little queue update. Not that anybody out here uh, really cares, although if they're uh, keeping up with the Memorial Cup, we'll see who's uh, who's going to end up uh, as the uh, participant from the queue soon enough. Game number one starts uh, starts Friday. Been, um, you know what? It's been a hell of a series. This last year, um, the Mooseheads didn't get very far. Of course, this year they had um, they've had a hell of a hell of a team. Much like the Oilers, they went uh, I can't remember it was over twenty games without losing in regulation um, during the uh, regular season. Uh, the Ramparts are an excellent team as well. Uh, there's some really good teams coming out of Quebec um, and, and and out of the queue. Uh, both teams were uh, Quebec and Halifax were ranked in the CHL top five, pretty much all second half of the season so it's pretty some pretty good hockey and of course we'll get to see patrick wabi on the bench 
here come next Tuesday and Wednesday when they get back to Halifax. I'll be at those games. All right. Let's talk some Oilers hockey. Goalies has already come up. Dash. Uh, big topic, of course, uh, in hockey. We've missed, uh, well, not missed, uh, but two games have passed uh, since we uh, since we last spoke. In fact, all three games, I guess, have passed since we last spoke, right? Mm-hmm. Oilers uh, came out, um, you know, my recap. Maybe I'll give you kind of my recap and, and love to hear, you know, how you see it. Um, you know, Oilers came out. I I thought a little bit flat in that first game. Vegas uh, seemed to be flying uh, a lot more. You know, a lot more just going for them. It seemed on the forecheck everywhere on the ice, and um, you know, it was the Vegas team uh, that I think you kind of expect with when Stones in the lineup. Uh, they uh, they did really well. Of course, the Oilers. Um, you know, wh- whatever you want to say about them they just have the best power play that we've ever seen and and so they were able to stay in that first game uh not i don't think though um i don't think they deserve to be in that first game and then of course second game comes out and they just came out flying you know and i think and you know i mean it, that first game is all about the first period in my mind and i think probably in yours and and everybody else and and they just never looked back and looked like a team on a mission uh, much like what I would have expected to see in game three. Now, I hate uh, complaining about the officiating, um, but I hate when it has such an effect on a game like it did in game three. Now, I don't think it's uh, I'll, I'll always stop short of blaming it on a loss, but it certainly had an effect on the game. And, um, you know, missing that Yamamoto high stick, on the high stick on Yamamoto, which then turned around to be a goal against the Oilers. I mean, those kind of misses, you know, just shouldn't happen uh, in a, uh, in a professional league playoff series, Um, but they do. And um, you know, it goes on and and you got to play through that. Um, The Oilers, I I felt, you know, some similarities between game one and game three, in fact, where uh, if the Oilers didn't keep momentum and they lost it, uh, Vegas was good at, at just kind of playing their game. you know, Skinner obviously wasn't great. He wasn't awful. I won't blame him for that. But he wasn't great. And let's, you know, if if I had to say, I'd say he hasn't been great all playoffs, but he's been good enough, right? He just wasn't good enough in my mind um, in game three, and so Campbell comes in. So lots of questions to be said, but, I, you know, I'd love, um, you, know, it, it, you know, if I had to put a synopsis on all three games, you know, I'd say... Uh, you know, the Oilers deserve to win the game they won and deserve to lose the games they lost. Uh, but I don't, uh, I wouldn't count them out of this series. I think there's lots of positives to take. And probably one of the biggest ones is I never, you know, I don't think we've seen even the best of Connor McDavid in the playoffs yet. So I'd love to get your um, your thoughts on the first three games of the series. Game one was pretty typical to what I think we've seen a lot of the times with the Oilers when they come out. In these series, um, you know, there was a, like you said, uh, some flatness in that game. Um, I like what you said when you termed that they, you know, won the games they deserved to win and lost the games they deserved to lose. They probably did deserve to lose game one. Um, it was close. 
the Oilers have lost seven straight game ones and eight out of the last nine. Uh, the last game one they won was in 2017 against Anaheim. Um, Oilers be Oilerin. Uh, game two, they come out and show, I think, everybody um, that cares about hockey anyways, I was going to say on earth, but in North America, what the Oilers can do and what they're made out of when they've got everything clicking in all cylinders. And it wasn't just the offense in game two, it was the defense. They were uh, defending in layers, as Dursa likes to term. Um you know, it wasn't just the forwards. It was the defense. It was the the system was working. They were line matching. The, all the different uh, layers that you need to do on the defensive end of the puck was was um, synergistic with the offense that they capitalized on and, and power play be power play and when it's the Oilers, right? So, um, you know, what are they up at uh, 13 to 22 or 14 to 23 or something that game? Something like, ridiculous. It's, it's ridiculous, right? Uh, game three might have been the worst game they've played in this playoffs, maybe in the last three months. It, it was flat as hell. Uh, I thought the defense was flat. I thought the forwards were flat. I thought the goaltending was flat. I thought that uh, it just was, it was odd, you know, so... You know, you start to analyze those three games a little bit, and well, maybe there's an element of what we always see out of the Oilers, Michael. Like, how many years has it been that they get scored on first, right? Like, we've had the best record in the NHL of getting scored on first, but still winning hockey games two years straight. And why is that? Why is that? It's 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 in our it's in our muscle memory as a team, you know, and that coincides a lot with this game one seven game ones in a row maybe it's a crazy theory but when you've got players like mcdavid and like mcleod and like hyman and you know maybe even like skinner and like these guys are they're all really nice guys they're all timid guys like nobody's the raw raw type a you know messier mike smith kind of guy dry's got a bit of that in him but I think he really... Yeah, he's got more than a bit. <laughs> wow, and he's a dirty yeah. prick. Like, he really yeah. is. Let's be honest. Oh, yeah. And proved it with another couple of two-handers last game. Yeah. The, um, the thing I wondered, bud, is, you know, we all knew that kid at the playground that you didn't want to F with. But, man, he had to be backed into a corner before he would, you know, jump. And I almost wonder if there's part of, like, Something in the culture or nature of this team needs to be slapped in the face before they'll punch back. And, you know, if that's the first goal of the game, if that's the first game of the series, the Oilers need to get punched in the nose before they get pissed off enough to throw down. And when the Oilers throw down, it's lethal. Um, so here we are, uh, exactly the same way we started the first series, losing game one, winning game two, and losing game three. Um, we finished that one off in six. I don't yeah. see this being a lot different, nor do I think the results will be different. Um, refs, I don't know. Don't go there. I, I hate that narrative, Michael, and you know it. It's Refs make mistakes. It's the fastest game in the world. They can't see everything at once. It's impossible to. They can't see it in live time. There's 300 infractions that happen in a hockey game you cannot call all of them and you cannot predict that that one you decide not to call to manage a game yes they manage games they have to manage games 
you cannot call every infraction in a playoff hockey game or the entire team would be in the penalty box the entire time and there'd be nobody left to play the game of hockey. Yeah, I don't believe that narrative, though, either. But like, let me place blame where I think it's also fairly due. Yamamoto does not, in a playoff game, need to take his hand to his mouth, take his glove off and go, oh, are my teeth still there? Oh, am I bleeding? While the puck is going back the other way. So blame the refs for the unfortunate call if you want. But if Yamo hustles back on his ass and doesn't worry if his teeth are there, they might not score. Yeah, it's possible. It's possible. I mean, you, you know, you don't do it and the refs don't see it sometimes, right? Um, I, you know, I, hey, look, like I said, I'd never blame a, a loss on the refs. But did they, uh, you know, did they miss, you know, at the wrong possible time? Yeah, they did. And should they get that in a professional uh league yeah they should yeah that's you a penalty in a hockey game yeah, yeah yeah i get it you know and and um, you know i thought um you know i thought the whistles were put away a little bit uh and you know i think we i th- i think if you went back to that la series uh the same thing was done in in game three if i'm not mistaken um you know whether it's game management whatever it is i don't know I'm not a conspiracy theorist. I don't think that's why the Oilers lost. I mean, you don't lose five to one because of the officials, right? Right, exactly. A lot of reasons you lose five to one. Um, but hey, you know, it's got to be, they've got to be better. Uh, and, uh, you know, I hope they will be. Frankly, if there was any conspiracy about the Oilers, um, you know, we wouldn't have Connor McDavid on our team, right? <laughs> so, so that, that happened. Uh, he is, and, and so is Dry um, you know, maybe uh, some stranger has it best, and and uh, that's to say, you know, Dry lost his cool in Game Three. Mm-hmm. Uh, they quit playing, upset with the refs. All of those things are true. I think anybody that's played any sport, when you feel defeated like that, like, and you let that get to you, uh, then you're bound to lose a game. And they've mm-hmm. got to, you know, they've got to put that behind them and, and come out flying. So. Here, let's um, let's switch from that. I, I, you know, I think, I think we're for the most part in an agreement on on how the series went, and it's pretty pretty straightforward. When you got, you know, two five one games in there, maybe the first game is, you know, I think the Oilers six four is maybe a little bit flattering to them. Your thoughts on uh, the goaltending situation, both on the inability to score on Aiden Hill, surprise. Uh, so far, granted, it's only been two periods, mm-hmm. and uh, and then um, and then the um, I guess the efficacy or the you know how good Stuart Skinner has been. Mm-hmm. Uh, your thoughts, uh, both sides of the coin. For Hill to really get any type of heralded acclaim for that type of performance should start with the fact that the Oilers did not get pucks to Aiden Hill. That there was zero effort to get any type of traffic, any type of effort, any type of shot. It, it was, I mean, everything he had was from the perimeter. So, you know, that's what you want to do when you got a goalie coming in cold is shoot from the perimeter and warm them up a little bit. That's exactly what they did. Um, I see an opportunity there. What was the game? 3-1 when he came in? Uh, no, it was, it was, it was um, 5-1, wasn't it? When Hill came in, no, I was pretty early. Or, 
I think that like ultimately that game's in hand at that point still the way the Oilers can come back in games two two three goals what do you do when you've got a opportunity to close a two three goal gap and you've got a goaltender that has barely seen the playoffs and is coming in cold without a warm-up like pepper the piss out of him get pox down there get traffic in there shit like strutty said it you accidentally fall on the guy huh. oops you got an e-bug for the last 60 minutes of a playoff hockey game like sorry but yeah they certainly didn't play i mean you know they didn't play well enough to score on anybody right nope. um you know and it and it doesn't i'm not giving him any the credit thing I'm is not, whether I'm you're just... you're a believer or not in uh PDO or or anything like that, but let's also be realistic that Drysaddle was not going to maintain his scoring average uh, on shots for the whole playoffs. Uh, he's still going to be high by the end of it, but for, to see him hit a couple posts like he did, he was due. Right, Buddy, if he if he yeah. capitalizes on either one of those two or three chances he had in the first yeah. five minutes of the game or ten minutes of the game, that's a different story. Because that's that's now that's a two nothing game or a two one game the other way, maybe the frustration doesn't get to that point. Maybe Evander Kane doesn't come off the bench, shot out of a cannon at the end of the first, and take a stupid penalty. Like the entire game's mood could shift that way. Um, but before we get into that, you asked me to speak to Skinner as well, like yeah. Aiden Hill and Skinner. And the other side of it is, is you know, I, I you know I don't think Skinner's been terrible. I don't think he's been awesome. Um, you know what I think he's been is an actual direct linear uh, result of how the team's playing in front of him. When the team in front of him is playing really well, Skinner plays really well. When the team in front of him is playing like shit, Skinner kind of plays like shit. Um, I can't give him a ton of blame on too many of the goals, but you know maybe he could have had the the breakaway. But then Nurse and Fogel don't need to double up their coverage and give up that breakaway either, right? So I, I don't know. I, I think Skinner, I'd go back with him and I'd feel confident going back with him. Yeah. Okay. So here's, so here's my thinking on it. Uh, so first I'll start with uh, Aiden Hill. I'm, I'm, you know, hundred percent, they got to get more on this guy, right? Like he, um, you know, through the course of, by the way, it was three to one came in halfway through the first little over halfway. Uh, we know Bruswa is done for the playoffs. That looks awful. Hate to see that. Um, but, um, you know, Hill's going to be in, who knows, maybe we see quick, maybe. uh, hard to say, uh, but likely it'd be, um, I, I would think it will be Hill, but he, you know, he ended up with, uh, 24 shots against. Yeah. It doesn't show he a lot of confidence in Hill if they don't go back with him. And I don't know why you'd want to give your goalie a lack yeah. of confidence when you need And him. he hasn't been scored on yet. I think you, you know, you, yeah. you ride that until. Yep. Yeah, you ride that until you know it changes. Twenty-four right. saves is twenty-four saves. I mean, he played most of the game. Uh, Mister Enigmatic says, um, "Give them some credit, boys." Dry hit two or three posts last night. You know, and I and I'll and I'll say that I thought you know, given the fact that it was five to one, um, I thought the Oilers played a decent third period. I mean, you you know, it's um, it wasn't stellar, but it was decent. They. Um, they deserved to lose last night, and uh, Hill wasn't the reason. Uh, but I think that, um, you know, to your point, and I didn't hear Strudwick's comments, but uh, to Strudwick's point, they got it. They had to get more on him, you know. And I, and I think, look, I, I'm not even going to say it, but 
Uh, Hyman needs to be, you know, Hyman, right? Get more in front of the net. And Anderson uh, too down and dirty. Yeah. Um, you know, some of these guys uh, need to step up a little bit. Uh, there was some comment, you know, about uh, Broberg Ryan. I thought Derek Ryan, since he, you know, came back, uh, like, and I said that in the playoff preview. He's just the kind of player. I think he makes a difference out there. Love Broberg uh, and Kulak. That was a really good pairing. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, so you know, I mean, it was uh, Fogel. Nice to see him get on the board. Uh, lots of things change. The challenge that this, um, you know, I think the Oilers have had, um, you know, is just getting too emotional about certain changes in the game, right? Like, you know, we talk about whether if they had scored, how it would have been a been a game changer. It's like, yeah. you know, this big roller coaster ride with them. You know, they score in the first game, and then Vegas comes back and scores right away. Yeah, and um, and it just seems to deflate the whole team for just long enough to take them out of the game. Uh, the same could be said about last night. You know, uh, you you get the non-call, and and then it deflates the team, and they seem to focus on that. Dry gets a little bit chippy. Um, you know, I look. It is what it is. They they just didn't play well enough to score on Hill, uh, and um, so they're making him look a little bit better than he is at this point. As far as Skinner's concerned, uh, our friend Angel there messaged me uh, during the middle of the game and and uh, thought asked if um, he might have messaged you too. Asked if I thought they should um, uh, throw Skinner or uh, Campbell in net uh, for the next game, and and the answer is no. I mean, I you know I don't know, I don't know that Skinner's the guy that you know will be a you know, this is not some, it's not, it's definitely not going to be some Hall of Fame performance from him. It's just going to be, um, you know, it's just going to be Skinner doing what Skinner does. And, um, you know, it's, um, he's positionally, he's a very sound goalie. And the save percentage, I don't think is reflective of, you know, how good of a, a goalie he is. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that when the Oilers give up high danger chances, like they are high danger chances, <laughs> right? Like they're the, you know, the sheer definition of the word. And so, you know, if you're a goalie like Skinner, you know, you, you're either going to make some lights out saves, uh, to affect that. And he's just not that guy. He's just a positionally sound guy. That'll be in the spot where you need him. If you're playing the right style of, um, of play. Mm-hmm. And unfortunately, when you get down three to one and you get, um, you get to this point where you're deflated, like they were that, you know, you would have hoped that after that goal got called back, which by yeah. the way, am I ever happy it did because the first thing and, and, um, and, uh, Friedman mentioned it was the McDavid goal. That's the first thing that I went to in my head was when that goal was called back against uh, McDavid when he went through the net it was identical uh, and they called McDavid for interference Um, I can't remember who actually scored the goal Uh, but um, you know last night I thought it was identical so it was good the league is consistent you know so you know toss out the conspiracy theories again the league called back a goal but then Vegas comes back and scores anyway on what was a gimme. Maybe their easiest goal of the playoffs. Uh, like, what, 10 seconds later? 
you have a chance to get some momentum back and get into the game. And then you just kind of, I don't know, like call it in. Uh, it, it was the whole game was just a series of like, you know, woe is me for this team. They, and, and the great thing though, about the Oilers, this Oilers team is I said this after game one, they didn't hate Vegas enough. <laughs> you know, they'll come back. Like I believe this team team has it in them to come back. Mm-hmm. Obviously you don't want to be down two games to one. Uh, but before everybody thinks that the sky is falling, we need to take Skinner out and put Campbell in. Uh, remember that the Oilers don't ha- didn't have a home game advantage. Like you expect to win your home games, uh, so they'd be down two games to one either way. Um, you know, and and so they the got Oilers in Vegas are two of the best road teams in the NHL. This well, year. there's that too, but they'll you know they should um, they should be all right. I you know we've got the two best players in the world on the team. Drysaddle, you know, these guys never get shut out for two games in a row. Um, I just can't see them coming out and and laying out a dud. Oh yeah, my money's on Oilers puck line tomorrow night. There's no doubt. I don't hundred percent. Yeah. Uh, So I feel good about their chances. I think um, you know. I think two things. I I think yeah, they played shitty last game. You're right. Probably the worst game they've played. Uh, they'll come back. The Maybe only question I have here. is, I don't think DeHarnay has had a good shift all all playoffs. Like he's maybe had a good shift. But, no, he's yeah, but he's been he's been pretty bad. I was at games one and two of the first series, and I was enamored with him because of how many spears and flashes. <laughs> and he's not even cross checking; he's just like literally stabbing people with his stick, like it's a. Weapon. I don't want to like I don't you know I'm not the run the guy out of town guy, but. But he's been pretty bad. He's he's um, you know he's in he's playing limited minutes, so I'll give him a bit of a break there. Yeah. Um, but I you know I get a little bit scared every time I see him on the ice, and and my guess is it's it's one hundred and ten percent nerves. Like we've seen him in the regular season, he's got the talent. Um, he's a rookie. He's an older rookie, but he's still a rookie. Mm-hmm. Uh, and um, but uh, having said all that, I would not mind them, especially given the fact that we've had some challenges keeping the forwards healthy in game. I wouldn't be against them taking DeHarnay out and uh, putting Holloway in and going twelve and six for uh, for the game. Thoughts on that? Yeah. Um, I don't know. I, I, uh... I don't know if we're going to be able to. I, I don't know. I think if... Uh, so I say that, and I don't think they will, by the way. Yeah. I just I can't see what they do. If Hyman is hurt and, you know, there's other injuries where guys can't play up front, then I, I can't see them moving away from DeHarnay and bringing in Holloway and bringing in Shore. Um, mm. I know a lot of people are clamoring for DeHarney. Like you're thinking Hyman's going to the problem with taking DeHarney out of the lineup is that he's a really good penalty killer. And that's what I was going to say when you said he hasn't had a good shift these playoffs. He's really vital to our penalty kill. He's long. He's he's takes up a ton of space. He's nasty. Um, you'd barely get penalties when you're on the penalty kill. And he, he takes advantage of it with that weapon. 
Uh, he's out of the lineup, and then who takes that spot on the penalty kill? Broberg. That's not good. Um, so I I don't know. I, I I think you stick with the lineup that has got you to where you are. Deharney's been in every game, and we're in a good spot. It's just fine. Like this is we were down two one last series, and then we swept the rest of the series. I I've I if. If we're talking again next week and we said it was Oilers in six, are you going to be surprised? I won't. No, no, I'm not. Um, not worried about it. I just, you know, I I look at um, this team, especially in this series, right? You know, when you had um, uh, um, Janmark go down in game one, right? Uh, now you're playing ten and seven. Yeah. Right. Um, you had Hyman last game who was clearly, clearly, clearly injured at some point mm-hmm. during the game. And yeah. I, I haven't heard. Did you hear he's not playing? Ah, are you That's kidding me? If, unless you're sleeping under Woodcroft's bed, I don't think anybody's going to get. Yeah, that yeah. OK. Game. I mean, I my guess is given the way he finished the game, he's going to be going to be playing, um, you know, if he's so drugged up that he doesn't remember his own name. I mean, guys play with punctured lungs and broken yeah. jaws and, yeah. you know, I, I don't imagine whatever, if he could finish the game, then he's likely back next game. I, I, I wouldn't be a bit surprised if we go forward with the exact same lineup that we had last game, honestly. No, I'm, I, you know, I say that like the day Harney Holloway thing, uh, but knowing we're having watched Woodcroft and what he's done and it's not like he's, he's limited day Harney's minutes. Because DeHarnay brings more to the table than just closing gaps and making poor pinches lately. He he contributes on the penalty kill. When you're on the ice and there's a guy on the ice surface with you, maybe you don't understand this, Michael, because you're six foot six, but I'm five foot ten. And when I'm on the ice with guys like you, I can play like I'm six foot two. You know what I mean? And I think when DeHarnay is out there, the rest of those guys feel like they can play an inch taller and they can throw an extra hit or that they don't have to take any shit in the scrums because Vinny's out there. And I don't know. Those are the intangibles to hockey that don't get on a score sheet. Hockey with felt an inch taller every time I play. (laughs) Maybe they do. Maybe, maybe they're really just small guys. (laughs) Uh, Yeah. Look, I, I like Deharnay. Don't get me wrong. Um, I just, you know, he's been a, he's, he's felt like a little bit of a liability in five on five play. He he has and, been, he has been. And that's fair to say, that's okay to say. He's also a rookie defenseman getting used to adjusting yeah. to the speed of NHL playoffs. This is a guy that in the NCAA wore the C for his shirt in division one yeah, and won defensive defenseman of the year out. in the NCAA. You don't win defensive defenseman in the, of the year in the NCAA without knowing how to play defense. He's a rookie. He's oh, absolutely. He and the only way play. you get him to adjust and, and be there is by playing him ultimately. If if he wasn't, if there was a better defenseman to play, he'd be playing. Woodcroft yeah, wants yeah, to well, win that, games. That we don't have. Woodcroft's not that the GM. He doesn't give a shit whether DeHarney is developing. He wants to win the game. He's in there because we can win. Yeah, we'll see. I, you know, if it were up to me, I'd take him out and put Holloway in. I, you know, the the way the the forwards are getting banged up. Yeah, I, I would disagree. like to see one more in there. It's not. Uh, you know, I just I think look. You're shorthanded. What? How many um, uh, penalty kills did they have Our last? Penalty game? kill already struggles, man. Like it's worse without him. It is. They were. They had four. Four last game. I don't. 
probably for everything it makes i just don't think that it like if you took the you know took the amount of goals that he saves on a penalty kill like you think that they take him out of the lineup and it's two for four for vegas is that what you feel the two for four like on the power play like they didn't score on the power play last game so if you take well and and granted one of those power plays was what like 40 seconds long yeah so if you take those uh four power plays and you take Vinny out of the lineup you think that it's like the difference of two goals probably not i mean on average like you know how much is he saving us on the power play versus what kind of uh, difference is he making five versus five of course he didn't lead to like how many goals could you um you know, chalk up to some of his defensive play. Not not any of this this series, I guess. I just every time I watch him. Who's gonna play that side of the penalty kill? Yeah. Guys do it all the time. What if he gets injured? He was out of the lineup before. What do you do then? Well, it's just yeah, I mean it's the penalty kill's gotten so much better since we got Bugstad and and Vinny and Ekholm involved in it, so yeah, Mike. My biggest concern is watching him play five on five. I get a little bit worried every time he's on the ice, and then uh, understanding that the forward group is getting banged up a little bit. So you'd rather see them play Holloway and go twelve and six than continue to play eleven and seven and just adjust to Harney's ice time so that he can still benefit on the penalty kill but minimize his five on five time. Uh, well, you'd be taking DeHarnay out. That's what I'm saying. So you'd yeah. rather him out of the lineup and have 12 and 6 with Holloway? And yeah. Then... Yeah. I mean, I, I mean, who knows? I, you know, here's the thing, right? Like, there's, there's always, you know, it's the same thing with would you start Campbell? I mean, it, as soon as you make a change like that, especially into this part of the series, you risk something in the series, right? That's you. You know, but uh, I I might have done it. I might have done it in game two, right? Or or even the first game of the series. Um, I probably would have done it in game two personally. Uh, but you know, now it's maybe we're you know we're four games into the series, and if you make a change like that, and it affects you, what happens if you put Campbell in in game two? There, I wouldn't put go. Campbell in. Well, that's, that's what, you just what I'm said. saying. No, I'm saying I'm talking about Deharney. Oh, I see. I'm sorry. Yeah, yeah. No, I wouldn't. I would never put Campbell in. Well, you compared it to it being like the Campbell coming. Like in if you changed, if you change, I'm comparing it to like changing the goalie midway through a series. Like if you make that kind of a change, I just think you're, you're, you know, it just has more of a risk of going the wrong way agree, <laughs> than it yeah. does of going the right way. No, I agree. Yeah, because then you send Skinner to the bench thinking he's let his team down uh, with a confidence that's wandering. And then Campbell comes in and stinks it up. Well, now you've got a goalie that stunk it up and a goalie whose confidence is shot. And that's not exactly what you wanted to your tandem. So I wasn't clear, Angel. I'm not talking about Campbell at all. I'm talking about. I thought you meant Campbell too, the way you worded it. But yeah, I see now. I mean, I'm talking about Dayarney. I mean, maybe, you know, the one thing that the only... The big reason why I don't think Woody would change Dayharnay on the lineup right now 
has, has probably more to do with where we are in the series um, than the play of DeArnay. Although he continues to give DeArnay more minutes than Broberg. So, well, what does that tell you? Well, it tells me he trusts him more. Well, and there's, <laughs> yeah. there's intangibles when he's out there, right? I told you, he's the team plays bigger around him and they play more confident and they play braver. This is a bigger team, though, all around. Doesn't yep. matter, man. If you're Ryan McLeod, you love it when Kane and frickin' Ekholm and those guys are. Rod's the one guy that needs to play bigger. Well, this is what I'm saying. So, you know, you take DeHarney out of the lineup, McLeod's not going to play bigger. I'm saying that. Well, he's not right now. And DeHarney's oh. in the lineup. <laughs> Fair enough. <laughs> you know, and, that, and, this, and look, team toughness on this team is not the problem right now. No. Sorry. No. no it's just a four check. I mean, that's the easiest way to put it is they're you know they're it's the four check on both sides they're not adjusting to vegas's four check and they're not four checking hard enough when vegas has got the puck they get those done and i you know i'd love to see i mean if you talk but if you do talk about team toughness a couple guys i'd like to see get a little bit more connected and who knows if it's injury or what it is but uh hyman for sure is one mcleod's another mm-hmm. Um, you know, I um, wasn't injured. He is now. <laughs> What's that? If Hyman wasn't injured, he is now. Yeah, I mean, he was. Well, he was clearly injured. Uh, probably got something during intermission to stave that off, and uh, and yeah. will you know for the remainder of the series. Yeah, I mean Bouchard too. I think both of their play plummeted after they faced injuries last game. Yeah, I mean, Bouchard got bumped to the third pairing. So yeah. Uh, you know, so, but, it, you know, the Oilers have had a game a day off and uh, they'll come back. I, I do, um, I think we're both in agreement. They're going to, you know, they should um, come back like they always have. Yep. Yeah. And um, look, if they uh, <laughs> love this uh, going around there about the uh, the matching up with Dallas. The Dallas Kurt. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Dallas is currently leading in the second uh, five to one. Go Stars. Yeah, so we'll see what happens uh, there. But, you know, the Oilers do match up well against the Knights, and I don't think that they've used their speed and what was made them successful during the regular season yet against the Knights. Uh, you know, I want to see That's them. harder to uh, do against the Knights when the yeah. Kings are sitting back in a 1-3-1 and waiting for you to come at them in waves. Like, you know, it's different. The Knights are like two armies charging at each other. Yeah. Yeah, it's. I mean, this is a completely different series. Not even, not even close. I do you think that the Oilers, sure. if they, if they come out flying and they do some of those things you're talking about with Aiden Hill, they've got a chance to uh, make this look, you know, uh, completely different uh, than it has. But I do expect um, Game Four to be a little bit closer than the games we've seen uh, both ways. Yep. Let's uh, let's briefly talk about some of the other series, and then um, and then call it a night. Uh, when we um, did the playoff preview last week, we talked about all of these. Um, we talked about all the different uh, series coming up. Um, you had Panthers in seven. I I took the Leafs in seven. I didn't think there was any way they could possibly be any worse. 
um, <laughs> than they've been like in the first round. Uh, three games to nothing for Florida. Did anybody see that coming? Yeah. You think like you you had three three? I didn't nothing. think they get through the first round. I didn't have three nothing on my. Big no, I didn't think they get through the first round games, either. I I think that like Dubis keeps getting all this credit for the team he's built and you know all the pieces he's put in place, and I do like his trade deadline acquisitions. Like Ryan O'Reilly is a fucking beast, and he is a beast. <clears throat> you know, there's there's some uh, Noel Akari and you know great pieces they put in place. That's awesome. Good for you, but. I, do they have a top pairing defenseman not named Riley? I think they have a top pairing defenseman and five other. Yeah, Hall has been defensemen. awful. McCabe has been awful. Did, did Dubis really address the goaltending this offseason? Would no, you have been happy no. if after Smith and Koskinen, we ended up with Samsonoff and Murray? I wouldn't here's, have been happy. You know, here's the thing Oilers fans love to make fun of. Boston Matthews, because you know it's mostly directed as as a return fire to Leafs fans, you know that are saying he's you know better than McDavid or better than Drysital, and that McDavid's coming to Toronto. Yeah, but let's be real. I mean, the the one of the challenges with a guy like Austin Matthews is like I've never there's is there a superstar in the league that is less physical than him, like in terms of, you know, like playoff physicality, you know, getting in the scrum after the whistle and yeah. Mitch and, Marner, maybe. Yeah. Well, I think Marner's even better than that. Like the, you know, this, the Stamkos, if you want to call it a fight, like that's gotta be like as a, as a professional hockey player, <laughs> right? Like yeah. that's got to be a little bit embarrassing. Yeah. Right. Like, you know, just, you know, that you wouldn't even drop the gloves against a guy that like, it's not like, it's not like their third liner was trying to take Matthews out of the game. Yeah. Like a stamp coast for Matthews trade is pretty equal, you know? Yeah. So at least drop them and, and pretend like you want to be there, be in the fight. Like, I, mean, it, like I, I did feel, I'm glad that the Leafs won a series, you know, I, I we make fun of them all the time, but I'm glad they won a series because, you know, if you're a Leafs fan, it's got to be incredibly difficult, but you know, this team, like I, I just get, I'd get angry <laughs> watching them. If I was a fan, I get angry watching them. I'm not even a Leafs fan and I like yeah. watching them lose, but I get angry because you, you're right. I mean, you know, when I, the fact that I say, is there a, is there a player that's less physical in the playoffs than Matthews? And you right away have another leaf in mind <laughs> that should tell you something, right? Like that should tell you something about this team. And it's, and, um, and you're right. It's, it's incredibly frustrating <laughs> that all of this time that, you know, um, Dubis has been hailed as some type of genius. Yeah. When, when you know, some of this is the fact that you're managing the Toronto Maple Leafs, and that's where players want to go to die in the league, yeah. right? Like they, you know, they're going to sign there. You can sign just about any player on the back half of their contract, 
Yeah, Part of me respects Dubas for screaming back at the fans from his press box into Tampa, <laughs> <laughs> like, yeah. chirping back. And at first, I was like, "What a chump!" Then I'm like, "Nah, you know what? <laughs> Put myself in his shoes. I'd probably be yelling back too." But I but mean, I, you know, but I'm I, but I'm still Dubas surprised at three games to right? nothing. Like, I mean, that's horrendous. Yeah, it's awful. When Matthews got, you know, whatever. People say jumped by Stankos. I mean, ultimately, <laughs> Matthews threw the first little jab there. What What do you think is going to happen in the playoffs when you punch somebody like Stankos in the face or give him a jab? You don't expect that's going to happen. And what I thought initially, honestly, is it bordered like Alex Semen, the slap fight that he had that one time. Like, <laughs> it's like, what what is actually going on here? It's like, you know, two kindergarten girls here going at it with their ponytails and pigtails. <laughs> I mean, we've um, seen Nuge. It, it would have been embarrassing, I think, if I was Austin Matthews. Yeah, but like I hear, look at in the comments, Marner promised to get nasty tomorrow. Really? Like, <laughs> oh, I can't wait to see the nasty version of Mitch Marner. That doesn't even make sense. That makes about as much sense as Josh Bolton and I entering a hair growing contest. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm, you know, at this point, I'm not, I'm not going to be surprised if they get swept. Uh, but that, uh, team, uh, that uh, team needs something, and and if and if Riley can't get it out of them, yeah, um, there's some serious problems in in uh, in steel. Makes me feel all warm in my tum tum. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, I'm not. Let's not uh, let's not be upset. <laughs> On the flip side of this, uh, Florida won the President's Trophy last year. Yeah, that's right. Um, they're way better than you know. Way better than uh, they've been. The record showed. Before. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, that, let's. You know, uh, they're just starting to get rolling. They, um, but that brings me to the next series, which is how is Carolina doing it? Well, yeah, they don't have any depth scoring, right? <laughs> yeah, I mean this. This was the team that was supposed to be out in the first without Svechnikov. There, nobody's right? going to score, right, Michael? <laughs> yeah, I mean, it was, like you had them in. You had Islanders in five. I had the Islanders <laughs> in seven. Twenty-four goals in the last five games or four <laughs> games. I I, uh, I took the dog for a walk today. It was he came back and he scored three more goals. Yeah, yeah. It was one nothing Devils, and by the time I got back, it was six to one. Unbelievable. Um, who saw this? Like, yeah. you know, I mean, if you didn't see uh, Florida beating Toronto three to nothing, you certainly come on. You you couldn't have seen. I mean, maybe you saw Carolina beating New Jersey. You know, a lot of you um, in when we had the playoff preview, what you had, um, you had Canes in seven. Most of us had Devils. Uh, I had. Um, I oh, wait a second. What did I have? Yeah, I had Devils in six. Okay. But you had Canes in seven, so you, you thought it would be a closer series than it's been even. Um, outside of the last game where, I don't know, the Devils put up a touchdown and a two-point convert. Two-point convert, yeah. Yeah. Um, the Pick Canes the are over in that series, I guess, eh? Yeah. Since I mean, I, I just... Canes, that's, that just screams over. <laughs> yeah, I never believed it. I never had any belief in the Hurricanes yeah. at all, and especially not with the um, with the injuries. I just, you know, uh, I just didn't expect them to do as well as I they've told done. You I picked Canes in seven because I started to have premonitions. It started early after Play RV got traded there, and 
people started talking about, oh, yeah, I watched. They're going to meet in the Stanley Cup final now. And I just like, hmm. Hockey has dog. he scored a goal yet? No. I don't think he has, has no. he? I, I, I quite literally not sure he's going to be in the NHL next year, but he certainly, you know, he's I, they're forced to play him this year. Um, I said that as soon as he was traded, he'll be in the... Yeah. Jeff Aide said I was crazy. Yeah, I, I was saying the same thing, so... Yeah. Um. Yeah, and look, you know, I'd love for him to do well. You know, I like the like the kid, but man, I just did not see this team uh, being, you know, as good as they've been. I thought I didn't think Rod Brindamore could coach this team to a Stanley Cup Finals. Like I thought, maybe he it was just like I know he's a good coach, but he's respected in in uh, Carolina. They you know they love him out there. I've talked to some of the media folks out there. I just I figured the way they made the team up. And all of that, and and then of course the injuries that they had, um, I, I really didn't see it happening. Uh, Turvine and you know patches, right? Sechnikov. <laughs> I mean, uh, Ronta was out tonight, I think, right? Mm-hmm. Um. Anyway, um, and then I mean that didn't matter, I guess, but. Um, you know, look, I just didn't see three games to one. I think they're, you know, I think it'd be silly to bet against them at this point. Uh, which leads us to, um, you know, I mean, we're going to have the playoff preview after the second round, but my guess is it's Mm going to be Florida and Carolina. And that's, you know, that's going to be a toss up on that one. We'll talk about it when it's done, but we'll see. Now we've got, uh, Dallas and Seattle. Um, it looked early on, like maybe Seattle was going to be like a Florida and a Carolina team, just kind of rolling their way. But Dallas is too good. Mm -hmm. You know, I, this goes back to my, you know, little trolling of Leafs fans back, (laughs) you know, a month or so ago is the Western conference isn't getting enough credit for the teams that are playing. Seattle's better than most people are giving them credit for, but Dallas is built really well for the playoffs and Ettinger when he's on mm-hmm. um, is really good. He's obviously had a couple off nights. Uh, you took stars in six. I took Kraken in seven. I might be more leaning now that if the, assuming the stars win tonight, I'll be leaning more towards the the stars taking the series. Uh, But Seattle, I think I'll take them right to the, yeah, it'd be six or seven for sure. Well, I mean, guaranteed to be six at a minimum now, but, Mm -hmm. but um, I think if, uh, assuming the stars hold on, I'd I'd probably switch mine around. You still comfortable stars in six or you think that's going seven? Yeah. Stars six, seven. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, that. Um, what's your thoughts on that series? I mean... Well, clearly they're just leading the way for everything the Oilers need to do, you know, paving the path with the Dallas <laughs> curve. So, ultimately, yeah, stars in six because it's going to be Oilers in six. Duh. I mean, this is, you know, however you look at it, right? Like, if the Oilers can, you know, get it together and get past Vegas, uh, there's a lot of good history between the Oilers and Dallas, right? 
um, you know, uh, fans of the Oilers for a long time will remember when Dallas was always the thorn in our side. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and, you know, I mean, Jamie Ben's as big an ass as you can get in this league. Um, you know, so that'd be a good rivalry, a good, um, you know, a good series to watch. And then, um, you know, if you go to the Eastern Conference, if the Oilers were to get to the finals, uh, they either play Florida, which is Kachuk and Bennett, two guys that Oilers fans should hate, right, and do hate. And if you don't play those two, you're playing against the team that squashed your last chance at a Stanley Cup and includes a guy that you gave up on, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so no matter how you look at it, like, it's there's there's good storylines in this playoffs for the Oilers, yes. so it's our destiny. <laughs> That's what you know. You're talking about Puliyarvi, the destiny to play the Oilers in the finals. Uh, I think yeah. it's the Oilers' destiny. Um, yeah. And and you know, I won't I won't call what that series would be like if um, if the Oilers get there, but um, it's been pretty good. Some stranger says uh, Grubauer has been unreal. I mean, he's been probably one of the biggest differences in that Seattle with that Seattle. I've been following that whole thread in the messages, to be honest. And, you know, like he, some stranger started that with uh, goaltending so important in the playoffs. And as soon as he typed that, my brain kind of went, is it anymore? And then, you know, here in the comments, you know, people say, no, it's, it's maybe it's not. And ultimately, Grubauer was unreal, I believe so. But how much of that was due to the fact of that he was motivated to take out his ex team that gave up on him. Yeah. Well, and Bobrovsky, like, <laughs> but like if, if goaltending so important in the NHL and obviously it has been, look at we, you and I did the, you know, going back how many 20 some years before a homegrown goalie hadn't won a team, a cup, mm-hmm. like it, it has been important, but looking at the goalies that are left in the playoffs this year, who would have thought it was, Anti Ranta and Aiden Hill and Ram and Ilya Samsonov and Stuart Skinner and Sergei Bobrovsky and Irkira Schmid. Yeah, Schmid. <laughs> Schmid is. You know, Ottinger, sure. Yeah. You know, Grubauer, great. You know, whatever. But <clears throat> these are, these are not your, you know, your po- <clears throat> poster child goalies or your. Yeah, there's no Vasilevsky you know, anymore. There's no, yeah. Or any of the guys from the all-star game? Well, I guess Skinner, <laughs> right? Yeah. But that, that, that list doesn't exactly read like Balfour, Hasek, Brodeur, Waugh. You know what I mean? Yeah. I mean, uh, you know, I just went to the uh, NHL regular season stats, you know, for goals against average. We had Allmark, Gustafson, uh, Ranta, who's still uh, still in, obviously. Uh, Swayman, Samsonov, who's still there. Sorokin's out. Ettinger's still in. So, you know, you've got, you know, one, two, three of the top uh, top ten goalies um, still in. I guess Frederick Anderson's still in there. But in terms of uh, goals against average, uh, even fewer if you go by um, save percentage. You got Ettinger and Samsonov. Uh, it looks like that's it. Two out of the top ten in, in terms of save percentage are still in the. Um, but there's no, you know, none of the usual suspects, right? And you, and I think 
you know, a lot of, a lot of that has to do obviously with who's been kicked out so far. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, Bobrovsky's though has been unreal, right? Like he's, you know, and he has been, he has been really good. Um, the difference though, is that I think the, you know, you can't put that all on Bobrovsky. Like the rest of that Florida no. team has been really good too. Here's the thing though. Like you talk about, okay, so who's been the best goaltender in the playoffs and you're probably going to get the common answer of Bobrovsky. Would you maybe, and he's, he's 10th in save percentage with a three, one, three goals against average. Yeah. He's three, one, three with a nine Oh nine. We're going to call Bob the best goalie in the playoffs, arguably, you know, Frederick Anderson's sporting a nine thirty with a 1.8. The thing is, is that Brindamore stuck to a system of platooning goalies. So Ranta's played five games and Anderson's played five games, regardless that Ranta's got a 907 and a 259. Rolls them out every second game. Seems to work just fine for Carolina. And like, I just wonder, I'll be very curious at the end of this all, how that plays out. Because we've already seen the trend of goaltending tandems grow and grow and grow in the NHL. And the thing is, is like the, the goaltending tandem gets you there, right? Like Vegas going back and forth, the Oilers going back and forth, Carolina going back and forth. Um, a lot of teams do that now. Uh, LA went back and forth, Corpus Allo, then right back and forth, back and forth. That's the method that got you there. And then all of a sudden you're going to try and rely on guys like Skinner and Corpus Allo and, and um, whoever to play every single game for the playoffs and keep coming out every single game. And well, that's not the method that got you there, but the only coach in the entire playoffs that stuck to it was Brynmore. Yeah. He's the only one. And look what's happening over there. Yeah. You know, I mean, you're onto something, uh, and goal scoring's right. definitely been up. Right. I mean, copycat league, man, Brynmore wins the cup this year. Like that doesn't happen. <laughs> knock on wood. Everybody in the league goes into the fucking playoffs with a tandem next year. Mark my words. Yeah, well, I mean, the Oilers are set up for that tandem. Yep. Yeah. And, and uh, you know, it's worked in our favor. I think Campbell, when he's come in those two games, he's, you know, I mean, he, you know, he led to, he helped lead to the the comeback for the Oilers. He played he's solid 36 in that 38 saves. He's got a nine, four, seven. He's got the highest save percentage in the entire playoffs outside of Aiden Hill. Yeah. yeah and that's, and that's what you need. Uh, whether I'd start him I, though, is it, you know, it is a little well, bit risky, but you know, you, you also got a rookie in Skinner, right? So yeah. uh, the good thing though, I think, and you get tandems like that now, and I think goalies are used to this now, but um you know, you look at Campbell and you look at Skinner and the way they interact when they're on the bench or when they switch off, you know, they're always cheering for each other. And so if, yeah. I think that if, um, you know, I don't think it would have as poor an effect if they were to um, start Campbell. Would I do it? No, I still wouldn't do it. No. But Neither. All right. We're at the hour mark. There it is. And uh, you keep promising me you'll stay under. Yeah. Hour and one minute. Of course, you didn't. You didn't show up until you're ten minutes late. So it's true. It's true. I uh, want to thank everybody for uh, tuning in today. It was good. I keep saying I'm going to try to do these um, 
lunch hour shows during the playoffs, <laughs> and um, life just keeps catching up to me. Yeah, and I don't get the both. chance. But we'll continue to do Tuesday nights at the very least, and when possible, we'll get on during the day. Seems to be lots of storylines uh, going on. Um, you know, my last words, and then I'll pass it off to you, Dash. Just for you know, Oilers fans, and I think I think the folks that listen to my show, um, you know, I think they get that. I think they feel the same way, which is, you know, the sky's not falling, right? Like I, now we you got know, this. if you went, yeah, if you went onto Twitter after last night's game. Um, it just felt like Oilers fans were, uh, you know, ready to throw in the towel, but it's two games to one, uh, game four is always, you know, unless if you completely ship the bed, it's the swing game. Right. Yep. Uh, and I just, you know, I believe in McDavid and I believe in dry sidle. and I might, I'll say this, I might even believe in dry sidle more than I believe in McDavid when it comes playoff time. Um, and dry cell is just, just mean and nasty enough that he'll will his way to a win. Yeah. Uh, I think he's healthier. Yeah. Right and he's healthier. Um, so all of those things combined, uh, you know, this team, I just don't think will be held back. And once they get the taste of that second game, um, it's, um, it's going to be uh, a long way. Oh, and uh, Jensen. And the family home videos. I'll have to see some of those. Uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, I'll definitely have to see some of those. Um, you know, talked about the draft lottery. Uh, if, did you watch the draft lottery, by the way, Dash? No, I didn't so, watch the lottery. But you, did you hear about ESPN's uh, mess up? Oh so, no, I didn't. Actually. So they they were about to go to break. And uh, Kevin Weeks, um, Kevin Week, yeah, Kevin Week goes. Uh, and with Columbus out, it looks like uh, Bedard will be going to Chicago or um, Anaheim. Well, they hadn't even announced yet that the three, two, and one yet. <laughs> mm-hmm. And and then they went to um, then they went to commercial. And uh, I'm watching it. I'm like. I don't remember them even saying Columbus was out. And then they, when they got back, they said, and at three, it's Columbus. <laughs> like, oh, the, hilarious. And, and Kevin Weeks had been removed from the yeah, panel and had in the holding area. <laughs> anyway, they, uh, so they, um, they had messed out, messed up and released it earlier. And I, and you know, so I'm replaying. I didn't go back. I could have went back and watched, but, um, I'm replaying it in my head and, and thinking, did I, did I hear that right? I thought Columbus was out. And I'm like, did I just like prophesize that <laughs> you know, like, yeah. in my head? And, and uh, no, sure enough, I read, read about it on the athletic after that. He, they messed up and it wasn't talked about, but it was, it was kind of funny. Oh, interesting. Um, you know, and then um, there were some, I saw some Anaheim fans who thought it was, um, you know, a conspiracy against Anaheim. Uh, you know, for Chicago to get the pick. Um, but again, Crosby and Bobby Ryan. Yeah. Look, you know, if there was any conspiracy at play, the Oilers would not have Connor McDavid. Like, let's be honest, right? Like Edmonton would be all right without Connor McDavid. It would be really sad for us, but, but 
Um, you know, other there are definitely other cities and teams that probably could have used that uplift um, for ticket mm-hmm. sales more than more than we could. So no conspiracy against Anaheim. <laughs> like it just it just is. They've got people in the room that uh, you know third parties. They you know they do all of that. Um, it just it's just shitty. Is Chicago deserve it? I don't think they do, but you know what? That's uh, it's a draft lottery. That's the rules of the game. And and um, I, I'll say this: I'm excited. I watch Connor Bedard live uh, at the World Juniors, multiple games. Uh, he's fun to watch. Um, I'm excited to watch him play. That's all. I you know I I uh, our good buddy Jeff put a post on Facebook about being tired of hearing about where he should go. And I honestly didn't care. What I do care about is that, um, you know, the development leagues and that start developing more Connor Bedards, <laughs> right? Yeah. You know, I want to see, uh, and the skill level's definitely gone up. I don't think the gap between one, two, and three is going to be as big as it has in previous years. Like generational talent keeps getting thrown around. You know, it did with McDavid too, but then they're like, well, Eichel's number two, so he must be a generational talent as well. Yeah. Uh, like that was a huge gap between McDavid and Eichel. I don't think it's a big gap like that this year. Like I think Adam Fantilli is a hell of a player. And he I is. Gonna- uh, he wasn't, he certainly wasn't as noticeable as Bedard in the world juniors, but you know. I think his game translates though. Yeah. And and you could a hundred percent. I you know I, I um and well only time will tell. But I you know my my big thing is I'm excited to watch good players play the game. And nothing uh, gets me happier for the league than to watch superstars play. Like to hear Makar mm-hmm. being injured, right? Like that kind of thing. You know I want to see the best of the best play all the time. You know I don't like seeing Laurent Brassois go down. Not that he's yeah. the best of the best, but but you get it. I mean, you always want to see best the best yeah, players play, and you don't want to see anybody injured. At least I don't, um, you know. And and um, so I'm happy Bedard's going to get his shot in the league. And and um, hey, our old uh, buddy, um, uh, the Jones brothers, there will will get a chance to play with um, with Bedard. They don't have a top six forward, dude. No. Like they have Seth Jones and Connor Bedard. <laughs> that is it. That was maybe the worst place for him to go because there's like quite literally no help. You go to Columbus and fine, you can play with Goudreau or Line A or maybe both or whatever, right? You go to Anaheim, you've got some Zegris, you've got some like there's literally nobody. Oh, it would have been fun to watch Zegris and Bedard play together. We learned as Oilers fans when we had Eberly and right, like they tried to bring in Ferentz and Strudwick and guys that could, you know, help teach these new young players. Well, it turns out that Hall was an asshole and wouldn't listen to anybody anyways. But, you know, there's nobody who's going to be there to teach Bedard anything. And like you're going to burn off the first three years of his contract before you get anything out of them in that. I, I don't know. I just like, yeah, it remains to be seen. Chicago just, right. like, I don't care where he went. I don't think he deserves to go anywhere, but Chicago didn't deserve him. No, that, that much. I agree a hundred percent. And, um, you know, I mean, the thing that I think is, um, it's, it's so hard to say having watched Bedard live, uh, and then watched, you know, some games, the Pats games when, when available. 
Um, you know, he's a different talent than McDavid is. Will he be as independent as McDavid in terms of like, I think McDavid would have been McDavid no matter where he went. He could have been. Yeah. I mean, McDavid's fast, his straight line speed and his lateral speed and his edge work is unmatched. Connor Bedard is quick. He's not necessarily fast. Um, you know, he's, he's quick and shifty and can protect the puck really well in doing so. He's excellent at disguising his moves. You know, he can shoot top corner while looking in the absolute opposite direction. But there's going to be some adjustments. Like, he toe-drags the piss out of people in the WHL yeah, all the time. and he won't get away with that. Um, You're not getting away with that in the NHL. And yeah. so, I don't know. I don't know if he's a generational talent. I think he's going to be a fantastic player. I'm sure he's going to be a 100-point player someday, and, and I'll be excited to see it. If the league was rigged, he'd be in Arizona right now. <laughs> that's, and that's the truth, right? So, so anyway, I, I just hate that commentary. But, um, you know, happy to see him get into the league. I'm excited to see another player, you know, of, of top quality. Another Canadian for uh, when the NHL gets its shit together and, and we see a best-on-best yeah. best, uh, tournament. Uh, would love to see him. I mean, we're going to need... Um, we're going to need some good players to go against Dreisaitl and <laughs> and the Germans, right? <laughs> the German Gretzky, as they say. All right. Mm-hmm. Uh, as is always the case, I'll give you uh, the last word tonight. Uh, when you're done, say goodnight. Uh, thanks again for your 46th episode uh, with uh, Oilers Live. Thank you, everybody, for tuning in. Uh, I'll see you next Tuesday, if not sooner. Everybody have a great night. You're up, Dash. Number 46 tonight. I will look forward to uh, number 50 in a month or maybe shortly less. If we squeeze a few more in right for uh, the finals, you can uh, you can schedule me right now. Uh, last word. You know what? I, I see some stranger asking for an encore and wanting us to stay on. And as, as uh, honorable as that is, we'll, uh, we gave you the Connor Bedard encore. And, and then this is it for a last word. And I'm going to steal it a little bit, but um, I heard uh, somebody speak earlier today about what was going on with the Oilers and how they felt that the first round was going. And this is somebody that knows a lot about our organization. And I mean, a lot about our organization and what he said really stuck with me and it's been bouncing around in my head all day. So I feel like I want to share it because hopefully it'll leave an impression with you like it did with me. Um, this guy, we've all loved him, or maybe we've hated him, but we all know him as Mac T. And he was uh, on a podcast today, and Craig McTavish said a few things that stuck with me. And first things first, he kept saying we. So, you know what? Mac T, love you, buddy. Once an oiler, always an oiler. That that stuck with me. Um, the other thing he said is that he feels in all, all his heart of hearts that the Oilers are ready to win a Stanley Cup. This team right now, as it is, is, is ready and composed and can win a Stanley Cup. Uh, that's somebody that knows what it takes to win a Stanley Cup. That's somebody that knows how to coach a team into being mentally prepared to win a Stanley Cup. And Craig McTavish feels that this team is ready to win a cup now and is mentally prepared to win a cup now. They're not necessarily showing it was my thought in my head because they're going to need some discipline, but we're still right where we want to be. We're, we're very likely, you know, knock on wood, we win this game. We follow what Dallas is doing. We keep the curse alive with Dallas. We, we win game four and we get a split in Vegas. We get a split at home. And, and you know what? That's just fine. Um, the thing that McTavish said that maybe stuck with me the most was 
he said that he would rather when he was coaching in the playoffs that his team got got a shit kick in six to one instead of losing three two in overtime. And when he first came out of his mouth, I thought, well, that's asinine. It makes a ton of sense after he explained it. All those players, they go home and they put their heads on their pillow at home or in their hotel rooms. And if they won 3-2, they think to themselves, just a little bit more effort tomorrow or next game and we can win. It's just a little bit more effort. You win 5-1, you go back to your hotel room pissed off, embarrassed, and you start realizing you need to really ratchet this shit up. And it was clear that the Vegas Knights went home after game two, embarrassed, and put their heads on their pillows and went, we better ratchet this the hell up. And Edmonton had nine straight days on the road, um, came home to CC seeing his baby and Skinner seeing his baby and all these things happening when you get back home after being gone for two weeks. How many people have gone for two weeks of a holiday, not that this was a holiday, and come home after two weeks? I use that as an example because it's the only relative thing we can probably relate to. Um, if you can work and you're on the road for two weeks at work, then you probably can relate. When you come home, it's such a relief. You like, you take a deep breath. You, you just want to lay on the couch and, and like get more comfortable in your surroundings. And maybe that's what happened. Maybe that's what happened in game three. The Oilers went and celebrated a little bit in Vegas that they, you know, thought they had this series wrapped up after game two. They had nine days on the road. Let's, you know, blow off some steam and get home to our families. And the king, the Knights went home embarrassed and they came back and showed us. So what happened in game two completely flipped the other way and the Knights had the power and the Oilers lost it. So I'm going to kind of agree with Mac T and say that, that that's a good thing and that the Oilers hopefully went and put their heads on their pillows after that game and realized that they're going to need to really ratchet it up, really find some discipline. And uh, like I've said on my last word many times here, let's get to work. And they think they, I think they need, they know, I think they know they need to get to work for game four as well. So expect to win in game four and uh, you're here to hear first. Good night, everybody. Oilers life.